This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today on the show as always, we have a lot of news, a lot of things going on in our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. The name of the show is Exposing Washington because we're going to cover a lot of news, a lot of content, a lot of information uh, that's going on in our nation ca- nation's capital. And uh, you're going to hear perspectives and often, oftentimes facts that are not covered elsewhere, at least on, on the mainstream media side of things. So that's why it's called Exposing Washington we're uh, exposing what's going on in our nation's capital. Oftentimes it's good things. Most of the time, sometimes it's bad things or negative things that are going on in Washington, D.C. Nonetheless, we're going to cover it both both sides of the spectrum, whether uh, we agree with it or we don't. We're going to cover it, and, and then I'll provide my commentary throughout. So exposing Washington American Family Radio, my name is Walker Wildman. Visit our website, AFR.net, AFR. Net. And a lot of people are aware of this, but you don't have to just catch the show when it airs live on Saturday. You can catch the show anytime you would like with uh, by utilizing our podcast feature on our website. Go to AFR.net, click on podcast, and then you'll find my show listing there. Also, you can get podcast on various mobile devices, pretty much any type of platform, you name it, we're there, uh, AFR post all the vast majority of our original content there on a podcast on the podcast platform on Apple, Android, so on and so forth. Lastly is to download the AFR app. The AFR app is a great way to keep up with American Family Radio. And I'll tell you this, just giving you a glimpse into the future, you know, historically, at least within the past, you know, ten or fifteen years, the 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 data usage for for cell phones and for tablets, etc., the 4G, it was 3G and 2G, but the 4G data usage has, has always been an issue. You know, you, everybody, every, all families have their data plan and you got to stay under the data usage. But I'll tell you what, heading into this 5G, um, I don't know whether you want to call it a phenomenon, whatever you want to call it, heading into this 5G, the future of 5G, which is the fifth generation of mobile internet, Heading into that, you know, this, I predict that data usage will be a thing of the past. This whole idea that you you can only use this much data on your mobile device, that all I think is going to go uh, out the window and it'll basically be you pay X amount a month and you get unlimited data. When I say unlimited data, I mean literally unlimited data. You can stream videos, uh, audio, as much as you want, whenever you want. So, that's good news uh, and when we talk about the AFR app and we talk about the AFR website. Heading into 5G, uh, data usage is not going to be an issue 
uh, I predict. But we'll see how that plays out in the future. A little bit of a rabbit trail there. A couple things I want to talk about today. The I want to spend a little bit of time on this coronavirus, and I'm not going to spend a little bit of time of it because because I want to cause unnecessary concern or panic. I actually want to do the opposite. I just want to walk through this and what we know about it. I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to read people who are doctors and what they think about it and play a few clips about it. But just to give you my opinion from the get-go, this, I believe this is overhyped. I believe that the coverage of this virus, which it's not a conspiracy, there actually is something called a coronavirus, and it is going around. But the magnitude that, that the media and the Democrats and even not just left-wing media, I mean, the vast majority of media is covering this as if the world is on fire. But when you actually look into it a little bit, it's not as, 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 as bad of a situation as some are trying to make it. Let's just look at China. China is a is a is a country of over 1 billion people. The population of China is a little over 1.4 billion with a b, not million. 1.4 billion. And there have been a little over 80,000 people infected in the past three months in China with this coronavirus. That's a lot of people. That's a a football stadium full. But when you look at the size of China and these cities, I mean, Wuhan alone, where this originated from, and we'll get into where where in Wuhan did this come from? Did it come from a meat market or not? We'll, We'll talk about that a little bit. But... When you look at the percentage, I mean, I don't even, I can't even do the math because it's so small. I did the math last week, and if, if you if you divide, let's just go with 80,000 people in China. Let's just say 80,000 have gotten this virus. And you divide that by the population of, of the country of China, it's like 0. .0000 something, 0. .00004. See, I can't even tell you because it's so small of a percentage of the overall population that have been infected with this virus. The same thing could be said about the U.S. We're a country of, a, of 330 million people, and that's not counting illegal immigrants, so probably more like 340 million. We'll find out with the 2020 census. But we're a country of 300-plus million people, and we're sitting at about a little over 100 infect, in, infected. A hundred people, maybe a little bit more, maybe like 120. But we're looking at somewhere between, let's just be generous. Let's just say we're looking at somewhere between one and 200 people infected with this virus in the U.S. And you would think that, that the entire population of the U.S. has a coronavirus if you watch the media. And the stock market is absolutely going ballistic. 
Now, I think that that has more to do with the supply chain issues coming out of China. But I believe this is way, way, way overhyped. Just looking at the numbers, which the numbers tell a lot. Someone who agrees with me, or you could say someone who I agree with, because this was he, he addressed this even before I did. This is Dr. Drew. He's he's on television. Everybody's heard of Dr. Drew. He was on uh, a, a, a local news outlet, and he was uh, giving his opinion about whether this coronavirus is overhyped or not. Let's listen to clip one. Dr. Drew, are we overreacting? Yes. As- yes. Mm. Yes. I'm hearing this from doctors left and right. Yes, it, and we are not overreacting. The press is overreacting, and it makes me furious. The press should not be reporting medical stories as though they know how to report it. We will, If we have a pandemic, I won't know how to tell that we're actually having a pandemic because everything is an emergency. Mm. People that are infectious disease specialists, the CDC, the epidemiologists, need to take this very seriously. The press needs to shut up mm. because you're more likely to die of influenza that's right, what it, right that's now. What, that's right what now. doctors are saying. However, and may I'm not trying to go against you, but I have a question. It is now beat SARS in terms of fatalities, 362. And they're saying. But its fatality rate is still lower. But they're saying it spreads fast. It's a mild illness. It spreads all over the place. And it's only out of the 17,000 documented infected. I bet there's hundreds of thousands of cases, 300 deaths. Okay. And always in immunocompromised people, always in people that are at risk for these sorts of things. If they get a severe viral respiratory infection, whether it's flu or corona or whatever, all of these can hurt people who are compromised. They can. The rest of us need to wash our hands carefully, get our influenza vaccines, listen to the CDC. If there's a problem, they will let us know. The CDC made it very clear that 5,000 people just in the last two weeks have died from the flu here in America alone. Why are we panicked about that? Three people died on the streets of Los Angeles this morning from homelessness. If that were coronavirus, people would freak out. Why aren't we putting our parties in the right place? It's the press. The press does not know how to report on medical issues. It's where I first learned about fake news. Well, there you have it. That is Dr. Drew saying this is way, way, way overstated. The effects of the coronavirus are way overstated. And that even me saying way overstated is even not even doing it justice. Extremely, this situation has been extremely hyped up. If you look at the comparison between the flu and the coronavirus, reading what doctors are saying about it, Yes, it has its differences, but at the same time, they're really not that different. There are thousands of flu deaths in America each year. Tens of thousands, rather, of flu deaths in the U.S. each year. And, and, and we've become accustomed to that. Because that's, that's just the way it is. And so there's a couple theories here, and the you ask the question, and this actually needs to be spoken about more. But where on earth did this coronavirus come from? No one really knows. And Senator Tom Cotton out of Arkansas brought up the possibility, which is a very likely possibility. He brought up this over two months ago when this thing first started. He brought up the question about. Number one, where did this come from? And he brought up the fact that there is a 
a, a laboratory in Wuhan, China, about three or four miles from the, this, uh, this, quote, meat market where they claim this thing uh, got out of the bag, which we know that's been debunked. But Senator Tom Cotton raised the issue or raised the question about whether this virus was accidentally released from the laboratory there in Wuhan. And I think that theory is actually very plausible. Now, if you read the mainstream media, they'll call that a, a conspiracy theory, and, and that theory has been widely debunked, and blah, blah, blah. But then the media, they themselves will go on and present theories about where they think it came from. And the reality is, nobody knows at this point, except I think the Chinese government knows, and I honestly think President Trump knows. I mean, think about this. President Trump has access to some of the best intelligence in the world. We have probably hundreds of, and, and thousands of, of CIA assets, and we got satellites and spying equipment and everything. I would almost bet you that the White House knows exactly where this virus came from. I mean, I, I bet I'll almost guarantee you that our government knows who patient zero was. And so, that being said, will we ever know where this came from? Maybe, I don't know, probably not. But it is still a very plausible theory that this came, this was either intentionally or accidentally released from the laboratory there in Wuhan, China, the, the same laboratory that just happened to have real-life samples of the coronavirus. But we'll probably never know for sure. But for the mainstream media to call that a conspiracy theory, etc., is just dishonest. It's a theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It is a theory. And until you can prove me otherwise, that's my theory. But like I said, the reality is no one knows where it came from. Except maybe our government and the Chinese government. One other interesting situation here is the, let me play the media coverage. This is just a montage, just about a 40 to 50 second montage of the media and their hyped up coverage about this virus. Clip two. The World Health Organization declaring a global emergency. Some 800 Americans are believed still to be trapped in Wuhan, China. The State Department late tonight advising against all travel to China. And news of a special flight of Americans being flown back from China was described in apocalyptic terms. Nearly 200 Americans now out of the danger zone. Crews right there waiting, medical teams in fact, wearing protective gear. Here in Boston, the local media has staked out Logan Airport, trying to talk to any and all arriving passengers. Masked travelers from Greece, Austria, Stockholm, all expressing concern. I'm just trying to be careful. I mean, it's, it's kind of silly not to. We spotted people disinfecting themselves after arriving from China. Well, there you have it. That's, a, that's a, just a short clip about uh, some of the media uh, talking heads hyping up the situation, treating it as if the world is on fire, the world is ending, it's doomsday scenario, when in reality it's not. When you look around at the facts, it is not a doomsday scenario. I want to play another clip 
This is uh, Lou Dobbs, which I actually like. He's on Fox Business Network. But Lou Dobbs, I don't know what was up with him this day, but just a couple of days ago, Lou Dobbs had on Secretary of Health and Human Services, Secretary Azar, and he keeps pushing him on why doesn't the U.S. government call this a pandemic. I don't know what was up with Lou Dobbs on this day, but let's listen to clip three in this bizarre interview with the HHS secretary. There didn't seem to be a different tone today in, uh, in Washington as it's becoming clear what the nation will likely face. Uh, officials seem to be a little more candid than perhaps they had been. Uh, am I perceiving something not there or is there really a, a change here? I don't know that I'd call it a change. I'd say the message remains a transparent message, but one of mm -hmm. confidence. And so what we're saying is what we've been saying, that uh, the risk to any individual why not American call it remains then a, low. Why not then call it a pandemic? Because you know very well it is. Well, in fact, I spoke today with Dr. Tedros, the head of the World Health Organization, mm -hmm. about that question. I'll t give you some insight into their thinking, which is while we've I'm seen... I'm not interested in their thinking, to be candid with you. You're responsible for your department, the NIH... The Centers for Disease Control are responsible for the public's health. I will speak, if I may, to you, sir, and I'm delighted to have the opportunity. I could care less what the World Health Organization has to say about what is happening to Americans and how this government is being led. Well, Lou, within the United States, whether you call it a pandemic or you don't call it a pandemic mm -hmm. is irrelevant. It doesn't change one mm -hmm. single action that we would take here in the United States. Not one, Lou. Okay, it really then just why doesn't not, matter. Why not call it that and be just as straightforward as possible? Why? What's it, Lou, what does it add? What does it add? You what tell does it me. Add, what, does it, what does it subtract if you don't? We're trying to engage in careful, thoughtful risk communication mm -hmm. to people. And that means their risks are low as individual mm -hmm. Americans. Mm -hmm. And that could change. It hasn't changed because of the president's bold, unprecedented actions to mm -hmm. protect our borders and protect the American people. Absolutely. But we, are, but we are now seeing some limited community spread, it appears. We've seen some limited person-to-person -person, uh, 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 transmission of the disease. Well, there you have it. That was one of the most bizarre interviews I've seen on Fox News, on Fox Business. Lou Dobbs there was just obsessed trying to get the secretary to call this a pandemic. Why would we call this a pandemic? There's 100 people infected in America out of 330 plus million and you want the government to call this a pandemic? This is the bizarre. Are you kidding me? We've got 20 to 30,000 deaths from the flu and people don't bat an eye. Not to mention, why don't we talk about all the deaths from drug overdoses, from fentanyl and all the drugs, illegal drugs crossing our border and half of it comes from China. Some of the more hardcore drugs come from China, the narcotics. Why don't we talk about that and all the thousands of people dying from drug overdoses? Why don't we call that a pandemic? But instead, this, this coronavirus, which is basically a, another version of the flu, the media and Lou Dobbs going absolutely ballistic. We've got to call this a pandemic. What, what, why? Why do we have to call it a pandemic? So the media can hype it up some more. That's why. And I'm just beginning to wonder, and I'm not talking about Lou Dobbs here, but the rest, the others, 
I'm just beginning to wonder, is this thing all orchestrated to somehow bring down the American economy so we can bash Trump? I don't know. Nobody knows. This is a theory. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. Half the stuff never comes out because we got a bunch of liars in Washington, D.C., and they don't tell us the truth. I'm talking about the Democrats and the the establishment bureaucrats in our nation's government and the media. They're all in cahoots. But this just seems odd that you have something of really a relatively small magnitude being overly hyped by the media and they just happen to be blaming Trump like they do with everything else. Lou Dobbs is begging the HHS secretary to call this a pandemic when it's not. And like I said, I'm just wondering if this thing, maybe this thing was accidentally released in Wuhan, China out of that lab. Maybe it was an accident. And then uh, the, the, the globalists got together and said, well, we might as well turn this accident into a political advantage. And let's, so let's all blame Trump. Let's all get together and let's all blame Trump. Trump for the next eight months so hopefully it hurts his re-election bit I don't know I don't know but this is just a very odd situation that you have relatively speaking such a, a small situation turned in to 24-7 media flashing red breaking news the world is ending coverage the stock market is crashing and then you look at the numbers and like I said, the effects of this health-wise are relatively small. We'll continue to monitor that and, and see where this develops and continue to monitor the media's coverage. And we'll continue to bring you the facts of what's really going on. And we're looking at right now <clears throat> somewhere between a 2 and 3% fatality rate for those who get the coronavirus. The National Institutes of Health say it could be lower than 2%. The World Health Organization says it's about 3.4%. But assuming the worst-case scenario, let's just say it's at 3.4%, which I think it's much lower than that, and so does President Trump. Why? Because we don't have uh, enough testing available worldwide. But that's 3.4% out of every 100 people who would pass away because of this illness. Which is a little high, relatively speaking, to other illnesses, but it's not something that we need to crash the world markets over. Especially when we're not sure if it's even that high. Transitioning to a few other topics, the uh, couple of good news items out of Washington, D.C., I mentioned these at the end of the show last week, but just to expound on them a little bit, President Trump won a couple, uh, the Department of Justice, rather, on behalf of the executive branch, won a a couple court cases. Here's two of them. I mentioned the Sanctuary Cities fight, which now the Department of Justice can withhold grants from cities who refuse to comply with federal law. A couple of the cases that are being heard currently at the Supreme Court level are uh, an admitting privileges case out of Louisiana 
where Louisiana passed a law requiring admitting privileges to uh, baby killing clinics or uh, the, the more watered-down version of that is abortion clinics. That law is being tested at the Supreme Court. There's also the transgender funeral home case. That's a bizarre name for a case, I know. But you had an employee, I believe this was up in Michigan, but you had an employee for a funeral home who just wanted to cross-dress when he came to work. And the funeral homeowner, who I believe was a person of faith, said, no, we're not going to do that. We're hosting families from very sad situations who are having to bury their loved ones, and we're not going to sit here and traumatize people by trying to cross-dress, which is absolutely unnatural and disgusting. That's my commentary. So that's another case before the Supreme Court. Those two cases are going to be very crucial here to the future of of our, of our country and what's going on in our culture. Um, and this is why the implications here of, of, of having a, a president who believes in the Constitution, believes in religious freedom, etc., having a president who believes all of that is very, very important. And having judges who respect our Constitution and the rule of law is also very important, and that is happening because President Trump is appointing them. And we're going to see the effects of, of these constitutional judges, which President Trump has appointed over 187 of them. We're going to see the, the positive effects of this for years to come, possibly decades to come, maybe even a generation of judges who believe in the Constitution and the rule of law. And for those who, you know, there's this old, it's really an old tired argument about, I just don't know how Christians vote for Trump. He just, he says, he uses profanity and this and that, and he's rude and blah, blah, blah. And, And some of that is valid. Yes, it is. It's a very, it's a valid discussion to have. But at the end of the day, we're talking about something bigger than just Donald J. Trump. We're talking about policies that have a lasting effect on the future of our country. And these policies can literally lead to to the preservation of our democracy. And democracy, you know, the Democrats are throwing out that word, democracy, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm talking about the free market principles the constitutional liberties that our founding fathers set forth for us. This administration is is fighting to protect all of that. That is a good thing. That is not, if you voted for President Trump in 2016, that is not something to be ashamed of. 2016, 2016 election showed us that policy is more important than personality. Policy should be our driving force at the ballot box. Exposing Washington American Family Radio, AFR.net is our website. Go there, check it out, AFR.net. We'll be back next week with more of Exposing Washington.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.